You are now listening to the Santos Says Podcast, episode number 19. I'm your host, Santos, proud owner of Santos Threads. Make sure you guys check out santos-threads.com for the latest and greatest in men's and women's Latino urban-inspired streetwear apparel. Get 15% off your first purchase today, santos-threads.com, S-A-N-T-O-S-T-H-R-E-A-D-S.com. Welcome once again, episode 19. Happy to be with you guys once more. Man, time goes so fast. Where does the time go? We're in October, and um, man, time flies when you're having fun. This has been a great experience, and um, happy once more to have you guys joining me on this journey. As we continue on, on this episode, number 19, I have a very special guest now. Um, you guys may want to go back and, and check this episode out. On episode 14, I mentioned someone who I will have today as my guest. As um, I mentioned the influence of this person, and this person is a legendary figure, someone who um, really changed the game in hip hop, um, on the communication level, on the music tip, on the just overall personality. This person is the legendary figure, Bobby Simmons, representing Brooklyn, New York. Bobby Simmons will be joining me today on the Santos Says podcast. And um, we're going to get into it. We're going to talk about all kinds of things. I'm, I'm curious to hear his take on the upcoming versus battle. Um, that that's something I have to talk about just because I know he's such a hip hop historian. This person is a hip hop historian. He was a VJ in the era of VJs, which I talked about. Uh, I referenced with my boy, uh, Warren Britt, who I had on episode 14. Uh, we talked about the era of the VJ and public access TV. And Bobby Simmons was somebody who was very huge in that game. Um, he was a VJ at that time, video jockey, if you're not familiar with that term, kids, um, was somebody who really was a game changer. This guy was a, a personality and a half. He was someone who was, had a great ear for music. He knew what the people wanted, never took himself too seriously. This person was a legendary figure, quite frankly, was my favorite on-air personality on public access TV at that time. Um, and, and we're going to get into it. I, I want to get his opinion on on hip hop. We're going to talk a little hip hop. We're going to talk about verses. We're going to talk obviously about, uh, the, the verses that's coming up, which is, um, that has been announced, which is two legendary, I mean, iconic MCs. We're talking big daddy Kane versus KRS one. That's something that I want to hear his opinion on, but Bobby Simmons back to Bobby Simmons is someone who I mentioned back on episode 14 is someone who influenced me a lot because he, he showed me that you can be from where we come from and you can make yourself into something major. And that's something that he did. And that resonated with me um, as a kid. And I definitely will share that story with him because I want to tell him, I want, I want him to have his flowers and his, um, his accolades while he's here to enjoy them because he deserves every bit of praise that he gets. This man really, help pave the way for a lot of people to come, whether he's cognizant of that or not. He's super humble. So he's not a guy who wants all the accolades and all the praise and all this or that, but you know what? He deserves it. He's interviewed some of the biggest um, acts in the game 
R&B artists. He's he's probably chances are he's interviewed your your favorite R&B artists, favorite hip hop artists, and your favorite hip hop artists, favorite hip hop artists. Like that's how deep it goes when it comes to Bobby Simmons. And I will be having him on here momentarily to talk about all things his career, hip hop. Um, what does he think about the game today? Things like that. And, and and so we'll take it back in time, into time as well. It's funny. So remembering the days of public access TV, you know, when I think of Bobby Simmons, he's somebody who really resonates and really brings back fond memories for me of simpler times, the public access TV days, the days where you had to call in to your favorite TV station or even radio station. But in this case, your favorite TV station that was playing music videos. This was the age of the music video VJ requests. Um, back then you had uh, channels like, um, you know, you had channels like The Box, Flavor Videos. You know, ba Bobby Simmons had that program, Flavor Videos, which was, I mean, Flavor Videos was everything. Like, you know, when you wanted to, to watch your favorite video and you wanted to, to hear the latest, the best in hip hop, R&B, I mean, that was everything. And, and you know, being in that world in, in New York City, in Brooklyn, um, it resonated with me because Bobby Simmons, I always looked at him as somebody from around the way. You know, I looked at him as some a superstar and somebody who was larger than life, Um who was, yes, I knew he was from around the way. I knew he was from Brooklyn, but I looked at him also like at the same time as like a local, you know, cause I knew he was from around the way. I looked at Bobby Simmons. I viewed him as a superstar, a local legend, a legend from the hood. And I, I'm talking about how I viewed him back then as a, as a teenager, as a kid. So I still view him very much that way now um, as much time has passed. And he's somebody who, has had so much success, somebody who's interviewed some of the biggest in the game and someone who's really been very influential. You know, um, one of the things I think he taught me from early on was, you know, I didn't realize it back then, but as I got older and I learned to appreciate what he did as, as an art form on TV and his personality was larger than life. Um, I learned to appreciate um, just his artistry. I learned to appreciate the, the value of being yourself. Um, there's a lot of value. There's great value in being yourself. There's great value in keeping it real with yourself and being a personality, but being true to yourself, not taking yourself too seriously. And there's great value. There's great um, honor in that. And I think a lot of times we get caught up in trying to be something that we're not. We get caught up in trying to get accepted here, accepted there. We're always trying to get acceptance. We're always trying to fit in places that we may not necessarily fit into. But the bottom line is when you are comfortable in your own skin and you're able to make things happen just on the strength of being who you are, that goes a long way and you can have success. And, and really, certainly Bobby Simmons has showed us that. So I will wait for him to come on. Um, just just looking to see um, when he'll be joining. And um he should be joining me momentarily. Just looking to see where he's at. I'm gonna actually hit him up, and um, you know, and, and see what's going on. But um, you know, again, he's somebody who's had so much success 
um, somebody who's been um, instrumental to many people's careers. I mean, there's people, he's not the type of, he's so selfless. He's somebody who's not trying to take the, the credit for this or the credit for that. Um, but, but certainly he's somebody who deserves all the accolades he gets. Um, you know, and, and, and it's really, it's great. You know, I, I think humility is important, you know, and, and how many times we've come across people who, you know, are accomplished and, and, you know, there's always the saying, oh, don't meet your idols. Right. And more often than not, these people will disappoint you, you know, um, I will say more often than not, because I've had experiences where I've met some of the people who I grew up looking up to, and they certainly were disappointing uh, engagements, to, to, to be quite honest. But then there are times where you come across those people who you look up to who are more humble than you ever thought. And, um, and those are always the greatest experiences um, to go through. You know, those are the best, best uh, experiences in that when you meet somebody for the first time, somebody who you grew up watching or, or grew up listening to or grew up, whatever it may be, someone who you looked up to, when you're able to meet that person for the first time, it's, it brings such great joy. It brings great satisfaction. Um, when you see the, the demeanor of that person, you're like, wow, this person is like so humble, right? This person is, is despite having, you know, despite having accomplished so much and, 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 and so that's always refreshing. Um, so since I'm here waiting for Bobby Simmons here, uh, expected to join me momentarily. Um, when I saw, I want to talk a little bit about the versus battle that's coming up in a couple of weeks. Um, man, when I saw that battle lineup, first of all, it's not unexpected, but just, I guess the timing of it was, but just seeing like KRS one and big daddy Kane, like that's like as big, that, that's one of the biggest battles you could possibly have. Now, I make the argument, look, to me, that's one of the biggest. Now, again, they are before my time, but I am a hip-hop fan. I'm a hip-hop enthusiast, so I know their music because I used to go back and listen to it. So I am well-schooled in that. I'm a hip-hop enthusiast, hip-hop fanatic. So I know how influential Big Daddy Kane and KRS-One are, and I know how gigantic those two individuals are. Those are pillars. Those are titans of the rap game. So I'm aware. I'm not, you know, I know that. Even though they weren't doing their thing, they weren't in their heyday when I was old enough to remember it, right? But I know. I'm well-schooled in it. So when I saw that in a couple of weeks that uh, KRS-One and Big Daddy Kane are going to get it on on the stage and they're going to get busy, you know, they're going to go toe-to-toe -to -toe on that in that versus battle. I wasn't totally surprised because I know they had kind of, you know, teased a little bit back and forth. I know KRS said that he didn't believe Big Daddy Kane had enough records to go against him. And, big and you know, that's what KRS once said to Big Daddy Kane. Big Daddy Kane said, you know, KRS doesn't want, doesn't want any problems with him. So it's nice to see the competitiveness. I'm anxious to see how – I'm going to watch this one. I'm going to be glued into this battle because it's going to be fascinating. Now, here's my opinion on this real quick. In my opinion, now, I did say, let me preface this by saying 
which I reiterating what I said. Those are two of the biggest titans, most influential giants, icons in hip hop. KRS-One, Big Daddy King. Okay, let's get that out the way. Two of the greatest lyricists of all time, arguably in many people's top five or top 10, depending on how old you are. But they are universally regarded as two of the greatest, most upper echelon MCs, upper echelon MCs in the history of the game. That is indisputable, right? So let's get that out the way. I, but if you really analyze it and if you really look at it, for what it is. If you take a look at KRS's career, if you take a look at Big Daddy Kane's career, you know, KRS-One is not 100% wrong when he says Big Daddy Kane doesn't have the records to go against against him. If you're talking about from a skill set, from skills as far as rapping, Big Daddy Kane is right there with KRS-One. It's 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 neck and neck. You you flip a coin, right? But as far as records, you want to go about records and catalog. And as far as being active in the hip-hop game, actively performing, actively battling, actively touring, how does KRS-One not lose this battle? Honestly, how does KRS-One not lose? I don't think it's going to be as close as people think. I think KRS-One is going to win in a landslide. And again, I'm not sliding Big Daddy Kane. I'm talking about... The problem is that Big Daddy Kane has a ton of gaps in his in his career as far as when he was active, not active, took extensive time off. I don't know what kind of mind state KRS um KRS one Big Daddy Kane is in for this battle. I know for a fact though, knowing KRS following his career, seeing what he's done over these years, he's one of the most active um greatest battle uh battle rapper slash performing MCs. He's made a million albums. Like he's still active today. Like KRS one has never stopped. So from that standpoint, I worry for Big Daddy Kane on this on that front. I don't know how he's gonna stop KRS one from going nuts. KRS one is one of the top not just top five or top 10 MCs of all time. KRS-One is one of the greatest icons as far as longevity, as far as active, and as far as... Ba- he does everything. He could battle. He does His stage presence. He is. This is going to be a problem for Big Daddy Kane. I don't know if Big Daddy Kane has been active enough through, throughout this whole time. And I don't think he has to be able to compete with a KRS-One who probably just rocked the show last night. Like this guy's oh, never stopped. KRS-One has got too much, too many records. He's been too active. He's too sharp, too ready for battle. KRS-One breathes this. Not to say Big Daddy Kane doesn't. Big Daddy Kane is one of the great illest rappers of all time. Like he is, forget it. Big Daddy Kane, l- let's be honest. Big Daddy Kane influenced your favorite rapper. Okay, I'm talking to you, Jay Z fan. I'm talking to you, um, uh, Big fan. I'm talking to you, Fabulous fan. I'm talking to you, even to a lesser extent, Nas fan. Big Daddy can't. I'm talking to you, um, Big Pun fan. 
I'm talking to you. Name any MC AZ fan. Name whatever big time rapper you like from the 90s. Big Daddy Kane probably more than likely influenced him. That's true. KRS as well. But I do, I always looked at Big Daddy Kane as a little bit more of an influential MC on that level. Um, Big Daddy Kane. KRS one is like guy who you don't want to battle. That's the there's the there's a distinction. There's the artist, Big Daddy Kane, and the look and the swagger and the style. Like he was Jay-Z before Jay-Z. He was Biggie before Biggie, Big Daddy Kane. But then there's the art of war. There's the art of battle, live performance, record for record, live for, you know, song for song, bar for bar, verse for verse, in the middle, in the heat of combat. KRS-One is in his element. For that reason, I believe KRS-One will win this battle. It may not be that close either. I know it sounds disrespectful. It sounds like I'm disregarding... um, Disregarding uh, uh, Big Daddy Kane, I'm not. I'm not trying to slight him. I did mention Big Daddy Kane is one of the most influential, most iconic MCs of all time. I just think that this is playing into KRS's hand. This is KRS's wheelhouse. KRS One doesn't lose battles like this. He doesn't. What do you think? KRS One has been chomping at the bit for this type of battle. You think he doesn't hear when people mention Big Daddy Kane on their top five and they don't mention KRS? In some instances where people may feel that way, nah. KRS One is going to show you this battle is. It's going to be lit. It's going to be great. It's going to be tremendous, and it's going to be historic. I can't wait to see it. Honestly, um, iconic. So, um, let's see what's going on here. I. <sighs> Um, as we wait for Bobby Simmons to get in here, and um, you know, it's 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 gonna be a great battle. I mean, I I can't I I can't wait for it. I'm gonna watch it. Um, you know, it's gonna be tremendous this battle. I can't wait to see it, and it's gonna be two iconics. And um, it, it's gonna be great. I can't wait to watch that, man. Can't wait. Can't wait. Cannot wait. And um, hold on. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Okay. So, without further ado, I was looking for Bobby Simmons, and he's here, ladies and gentlemen. I want to welcome to the show. Without further ado, this man right here is very influential. This man is a legend. I want to give him his flowers while he's here. I want to introduce my guest, the legendary. From flavor videos, from music, public access. He might, he interviewed your favorite rappers, favorite rappers, favorite rappers, favorite R&B artists, favorite songwriter, etc. He interviewed the best of the best. Here we go. And from Brooklyn, New York. I want to introduce, well, not introduce. I want to bring him to the show, the legendary Bobby Simmons. What's up, fam? <laughs> I'm sorry about that, man. So... Man, yes. this is this is TV, man. This is how we do it. This is when you're doing live TV. That's how it's supposed to be. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. I hear you, man. Um, so we get into it, man. So first of all, I'm glad to have you here. 
Um, Thank you, man. Appreciate it's it. A, it's a blessing. I'm glad to have you here. Thank you for coming on. And um, I guess we'll t we'll kick it off with the verses. Um, KRS versus right. KRS versus um, KRS versus Big Daddy King. And now, what is your take on KRS versus Big Daddy Kane? Um, what What do you think about that one? Well, like you know, like I told everybody that we talked about already, if Versus is about uh, the music catalog as they've been doing it for the past year now, then of course KRS One wins landslide. Um, I've also said that once the Locks and Dipsets did their thing. And Beta can change the narrative to the whole verses. That's what I want to see in verse. So if Big Daddy K decides that he wants to get in a freestyle battle with Calvin Swan and Calvin Swan accepts it, that's what we want. But if it's about the music catalog, Calvin Swan wins by last slide. Point blank. There's, there's no discussion about it if it's about the music catalog. That's that's how come ja, that's how come ja Rule murdered Fat Joe. It was about Ja Rule's catalog. If right. Matt Jones went into his album cuts that people was like, I wasn't a big fan of that cut. Jaru just came in like, I know how this works. You know what I'm saying? So if Versus is about the music catalog, Karis wouldn't win landslide. Now, and listen, your your opinion is valid because you're you're somebody who you've had a lot of, you know, you've been around. You've been around the block. You've interviewed some of the best of the best. Um, well, I work, I work with Karis One. I produced a record called um, I produced a, I produced Shabba Ranks record, and it featured Karis One on it. It was called The Jam. So yes, I, I remember that song. Right, yeah, I produced that record, so I, I know how Chris works in the studio. So I, I, I watch him work. Plus, I've toured with uh, Karis One. We we've done tours together. So, and I've also toured with Big Daddy Kane. So I know how both cats get down. I'm, we're just talking about verses. In that format. If, right. If you understand the format of verses, everybody knows Karis. What, Karis got 25 albums. Out of the 25, 12 of them we know. Like, literally, we know. So, and, and Kane, I think Kane got six albums. So, if it's about the music catalog, Karis won't win landslide. Point blank. That. <laughs> yeah, and you know, I was thinking the same thing just because of because of the format, and I just think KRS is battle ready. You know that like KRS lives for this, and I've but seen the out like that. Like I said, Jadik has changed the narrative of that when he just went yeah. off the like crazy. Like, That's what we want. So if it doesn't turn into that with KRS One and Big Daddy Kane, then it's just going to be about them dropping a record and his, and Chris win. He win. So we just have to wait to see how they're going to bring it. Or how this is going to—is it going to be interesting, or is it just going to be about I drop your joint? Pretty much, right. that's what. It is. Right. Nah, a hundred percent. I agree with that. And um, the the thing is that you know I love what I love about these verses. Yes, we know the format, right? It's about the records. It's about what you know. That's what plays into the crowd. And I don't know what you thought about that last crowd. That last crowd I thought was so weak. That crowd with, for the Ja Rule and Fat Joe versus that crowd was so bad. I don't know if they gave those tickets to like 10 year olds or whatever or 19 year olds. <laughs> like it was bad. Yo, it was bad. Like that crowd was the worst. Right. No energy. Nothing like they didn't even I don't know what they did. Right. But we know the format. Like you said, typically the format is hit for hit. That's what it is. Celebr right. A celebration. Right. Of the right. artist. So. 
This play, this is why I love this. I'm glad we brought that up because I know you're a historian. First of all, you're someone who I have high regard for because quickly telling you really briefly about my story with you. So I had mentioned you on a previous episode of the podcast, episode 14 with my very, very best friend, Warren Britt. It's from Brooklyn too. We grew up to, you know, we grew up together and we came up watching you. We came up watching public access TV. We were, we came from the hood. Like we're from the soil, right? We grew up taking the L train, taking the A train, take, you know what I mean? C train, you know, the deal. Euclid, you know, um, I was on the Bushwick side. He was on the he was on Crown Heights side side. But we used to I used to also be in East New York, too, at Crown Heights. So um, anyway, so I just how gratifying this is for me. Um, it, it means a lot because I always looked at you like somebody who was grounded, somebody who I looked at you. We both looked at you the same way. We saw you like a local celebrity. You were from the hood. You were from. So we looked at you like a neighborhood superhero. That's how we looked at you. <laughs> Thank you, man. Appreciate that very much. <laughs> yeah, we were we were talking about how you were our favorite personality on there because of how real you were. You didn't take yourself too seriously. Where did you learn to, to be that way when it came to your craft? Like, where did you learn to have that? I guess that that comfort to be yourself. Well, I, I put flavor videos together. First of all, let me let me mention my my, my uh, best friend and buddy Ralph McDaniel's. I used to work with Ralph McDaniel's at Video Music Box back in the mid eighties, during the early eighties, eighty six, eighty seven. Um, when it came time for me to do flavor videos, before I did flavor videos, me and Tracy Morgan, we were doing stand up comedy at the Uptown Comedy Club back in ninety ninety one. And I was trying out my comedy stuff. And then I got an opportunity to, uh, by a young man by the name of Jack Windorf up at Public Access Station. And um, he invited me and my group, Stetsasonic, on there uh, for an interview with a young lady by the name of Rosie G. And we went on there and we did the show. And then the guy, uh, Jack Windorf, said, yo, man, I really like your energy. And how would you like uh, to uh, co-host and cover the show for for real, because she got to a cab accident. I said, sure, I'll come in and cover for her. And my first interview I did on there was with uh, D-Nice, which I actually have documented. I still have those episodes. And that was my first interview. I've, uh, uh, well, no, I, I'm sorry. The first interview I ever did with her was Booty Collins. The second interview was D-Nice. Legend. Right, right, exactly. So um, when the owner of the station decided that he wanted a 24-hour music program network, he approached me. I said, listen, I like what you was doing with Jack Windorf. Would you like to do that over here? I was like, yeah, sure, no problem. What you need? He said, I need a 24-hour station, music station. So I was like, you going to get other VJs? He said, no, you can do it yourself. I'm like, I'm not doing 24 hours. You know what I'm saying? But I brought up close doing the 24 hours because I used to come on 3 p.m. to 8 p.m. And then I would come back and do the nighttime, midnight, 6 a.m. I damn near was almost close to 24 hours. Um I struck, I struck a deal with him in the psychics. His whole point of me doing that was was to get more people into looking at the psychics and, and getting psychics calls that were on the side of me. So what he wanted to do was use the whole MTV, BT kind of strategy to get more people involved in psychic readers. What happened was I overlapped that. 
and made it more of a music program show, people got into more of the music. Wow. Than they did with the psychics. Even though it worked hand in hand, because I always promoted the psychic readers. But it overlapped. I remember. Yeah, I remember. Right. So it gave people an opportunity to say, oh, shoot, there's a station that plays music videos and it's not on cable. And so people used to take their cable out to watch the UHF public access station where I was playing. I was actually playing videos BET and MTV wasn't playing. So that's what kind of gave me more of, of a head start than BET and MTV. Because MTV and BET was not playing MOP. No. In the beginning. They weren't no, playing Snoop no. Gossip and Trigger the Gambler. In the Gangstar. Gangstar. Right. They weren't, no. they weren't So they kind of jumped on it maybe halfway through it. But there were times BET and MTV definitely wasn't playing it. If you wasn't in the top 20, they wasn't playing. No. Even if they had Rap Cities, they wasn't playing. So my show kind of catered really to Brooklyn, Bronx, Queens, um, Jersey, uh, 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 where else was we on there? We covered the entire New York tri-state, and then we also had Philadelphia, and then we had a fee into Miami, because that's how I got a lot of phone calls from Poker Beans, Liberty City, you know, they were called, yo, Bobby, I was actually the first p person who played Trick Daddy's video. Wow. That's I got crazy. I, I got the video sent to me by Slip and Slide, and it was like, yo, we really need you in New York. And I was like, I played you. You ain't got to pay me. They thought you had to pay people to play your videos. I was like, you ain't got to pay me. I'll play it. And I used to just play the videos. And used to tell people, if you like it, call them for it. That was my whole tag. I my remember. whole tag was, if you like the video, call them for it. And that's how I got Liberty City and Poker Beans. Like, yo, what up? I'm from Liberty City. That was in Miami. That's how I got popular with them. Because I said, if you like Trick Daddy, call it for it. And they will call. They will call. And that's how I kind of got people drawn into the show, supporting their people in their areas. Same thing with, um, what's that group name? Uh, B-Rock and the Biz. People hated that record. I loved it because it was stupid. That, that's just my baby daddy. That's yep. just my yeah, baby. yeah. It was different. It was right. different. Right. I used to play it because I thought it was a funny record. Yeah, I liked it was funny. It was funny. And I Killed that video and be rocking the biz. I remember they sent me something, a package or something. And it was like, thank you for playing our video because they got no love in New York City for wow. their video. Wow. So I put that show together based on supporting people's music videos, but I also put that video show together because I like doing my comedy skit. And that's how the Biggie Smalls, Gimme the Loot skit I put together came up. That's how the Jodeci skit I did, where I did the split screen of myself, you know, me battling myself dancing. <laughs> yes. You know, I did that. Oh, oh, trust me, I, I remember that. Who are you telling? Listen, I remember all them joints, and and that's what I said. Like, that's why, like, I always felt like you never took yourself too serious, and I feel like there's a great deal of, there's a lot of respect, there's great honor in that. There really is, because I, I, especially in hip hop, you know, like what, like you said, like you alluded to playing the the baby daddy joint, right? We had gotten to a point where everything was too serious. Right, hip hop right, right. was too serious, and I think it's fun. It's great when we can have fun, you know. And and I love that about you. That I, that's one of the things I respected about you, is right, that you right. always have fun. Like you be doing, like you be putting like a different, 
like a little disguise, but it's like we we know that's you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> like, you got the Yankee hat on and give it away. Yeah, but it's like, yo, yeah, look yeah. at Bobby. And Bobby Simmons doing like a like a funny dance on the side, like the split yeah. screen. I'm like, exactly. oh man. And I used to always the thing that everybody remembered me by was that when I used to, I because I, I, I never knew if y'all were laughing with me because I'm y'all watching me through your TV and I can't see y'all. You know what I'm saying? So I would tell a joke that I thought was funny, and then I started clapping, I started applauding, and people said, yo, every time, because now you see people when they do their shows, they start clapping and applauding, no one was doing it. I was just doing it because I just thought I was funny. You right, know what I'm saying? Right, right. Like, but it became a tag that I just continued to keep doing it throughout the 15 years, because that's how long I was doing favorite videos. I started favorite videos in 92, and yeah. ended in 2007. Wow. wow. I actually went that long stretch of doing that show. So I did a lot of things that um, I was just trying it out. You know what I'm saying? And, and was wondering if it was going to work. i never forget. I didn't know Biggie Smalls. I didn't know him well. I did meet him twice on an occasion because one of the members of my group, Daddy Yo, for my group, Seth Sonic, was working with uh, Biggie and Junior Mafia. And when I went over to Daddy Yo's house, I got to meet. Biggie Smalls, that, that was actually my first time meeting. The second time I met him, I met him when he was on our way out on the road. Um, and the first time I met Biggie, he asked me, how did I do that split screen? <laughs> uh, 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 he said, yo, are you? And I said, well, I, 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 I did a recording first of one side and then looked at the monitor of the recording of what I was doing and just had to make sure that, because I did a jail skit where I pretend out like I, I was talking to some kids in jail and this one kid, and he he said, how did you do that? And it was bugged out that that's the one thing that I remember. Like, people think I got Biggie stories. I don't really have Biggie stories. Like, that one story was he asked me, how did you do that split screen? You know what I'm saying? And that was, I think that's the thing that a lot of people remember about that show when you came home at one o'clock in the morning, you wanted to roll up a fat one and you just wanted to watch something on TV. And Bobby was the guy that did some crazy stuff. So put Bobby on because he's going and he's going to play the videos. He's going to play MOP. He's going to play Dead and Gone. He's going to play Smith and Wesson. He's going to play. And that's what people wanted. People just wanted to come home and, and, and it kept them from outside. Because, you know, people would sit on the block, but they was like, yo, it's two o'clock. I'm going to go watch Bobby, man. They were rolling nice. out. Crib, you know what I'm saying? And they would call me, go, yo, B, play those X-rated Luke videos, and I would play them. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yep. So it, you know, they kind of it gave the it gave the um, they gave the hood something to say, yo, if it wasn't for you, B, I wouldn't have been in the house. And I appreciate that. If me doing a video show, taking phone calls, cracking jokes on people, hanging up on people, and doing shit, kept you in the house smoking L's. I, I appreciate that. So it, it was fun for me. <laughs> you know, it's it's funny. I think about that time and I think of a simpler time, right? Because at that time I was a teenager or a teenager kid. I was a kid, right? The early 90s and then, you know, teenager, right? And so like, to me, I think of like the tropical fantasies. Like it takes me back, right? You think of drinks, you think of people, places and things. Tropical fantasy soda, quarter waters. I think about like, eating, you know, whatever, little Debbie's or whatever. Like, I'm, I'm thinking of these times. Like, that's what I, I associate you with, with those times for me because that's what felt, that was home to me. So, like, I th when I think about Flavor Videos, 
it brings me back to that time. So like, I guess, I guess what I'm wondering is, did you envision this when you first started it? Did you envision you'd A, have that run and B, the long run you did, obviously 15 years and B, that you'd have such an impact on people that were watching on the other end of the screen? No, because, because when I was doing it, I was actually doing it for fun. And like I said, when I was doing stand-up uh, at the Uptown Comedy Club, I actually did that only for a little bit. I figured it was easier for me to do the show because, like I said, if I said something funny that I thought was funny, I could applaud myself because that's funny. But not knowing if people was enjoying it. So it gave me a way to work on my routine. But it got so I got good. I became good at interviewing people because I it, a lot of people came through Flavor Video. And I actually have it documented. Like, I, I'm putting it, well, my agent, my manager, she, she got me putting together a document. I kept every episode of Flavor Video. Every episode. Wow. I got the episode when Eminem was on it. I interviewed, me and Eminem took a piss together. Literally. <laughs> like, in this video, me and Eminem is in the, and it's not thick peeing. We're both peeing in the store. You know what I'm saying? It's like, if wow. I, we, we, I did crazy things on my show. With these artists, the first time I interviewed Aaliyah, her mother, they, it was the it was the most beautiful interview. I interviewed Mary J. Blige when no one really didn't know who the frog who she was. Like she had just put out a record, Uptown Records, right? And she came on the show, and the video Real Love wasn't out yet. And she came on. I told her to come up. Her and Puff came up, and we had a great time, and we just talked and laughed. So I brought a lot of people through because I was already in the business. You know, again, with my group, Stethosonic. So we we had we already had records out. We were on our third album. So I knew most of these artists, and most of these artists knew me. So I figured, well, since I'm doing this TV show, let me have people come on. I can interview them and give them a, a platform to promote their stuff. So I didn't think um, the stuff I was going to do was going to um, 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 uh, be invented for other people to do because what I was doing was a bit kind of stupid. So I didn't think anybody was going to be that stupid with me. But (laughs) let me tell you something somebody said to me. Somebody said something to me. They found me on Instagram. They said, I've been looking for you for a long time. And they found me on Instagram. And they said something that I like. And I'm like, wow, that's funny. They said, Bobby, you were the first Facebook and the first Instagram. I'm thinking to myself, how you figure? They said, because whenever people wanted to get in touch with anybody in any hood, we would do it through your show. Wow. We would make shout outs to somebody in the Bronx and I'm from Brooklyn and they were here in the Bronx. They would be like, yo, I want to give a big shout out to my man such and such on Birdside and somebody from Birdside be like, yo, I'm my man. It was like they said, Bobby, you was the first Facebook. That's how people connected with each other was through you by phone calls and shout out. And I'm like, wow. Like when you think about it, Facebook is like that. It's like you get to talk and shout out and connect with people through the internet. I didn't have an internet. You had your TV set and your telephone. And right. all you had to do was say, hey, Bobby, how you doing? Are you talking to me on the screen? The same way how me and you talking now is how you, if you would have caught the show, you would have been on your phone looking at your TV. Right, right. Same way. And I was like, wow, it's kind of bugged out. <laughs> I can't even look, I can't even tell you to begin to tell you how much aggravation I had trying to get through through to your show <laughs> as a kid. And I used to beg my mom, I used to be like, Ma, because you know, back then we had to use the house phone. 
So I'm like, Ma, Ma, please let me call. Let me call. Let me call Bobby. Let me call Bobby. She's like, Who the f is Bobby? And she, and she's watching. She's like that crazy dude yelling on the TV. Because like, they said they said you loud. Because I used to always talk loud. Don't make that crazy dude. <laughs> I'm like, yo, that's my man. I said, she's like, you don't even know. I'm like, yo, that's my man. He plays all the songs. All the songs. She's like, oh, that those rap songs, whatever. She's like, those are, you know, it's different, different generations. You know what I mean? So, you know, she's more traditional. I come from that 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 old school. But I earn a lot of older people's respect. Absolutely. I not only play rap videos, I play R&B videos too. Yes. Yes. Even some of the classic R&B videos I played, they were like, "Oh, I didn't know you played these videos. I didn't know you played Luther. I didn't you know you Isley Brothers. I seen you play Isley Brothers." Right. So I earned their respect. And then, I, and then I started making topics of my show. I would make up uh, Tasty Tuesdays where I play nothing but slow yes. jam. I remember though, yo, man. So I earned their respect when they saw that my my. My, I had a variety of, of, of videos, of music videos. So they was like, okay, I'll sit and watch it. So it, I, again, I didn't know I was being innovative. I just knew that I had an idea. Let me see if it worked. And it, and it did. It worked for a long time until the internet. <laughs> you know? Now, let me ask you, who are, <clears throat> I guess, because you did mention some of the names you interviewed, which, you know, Obviously, deserve it speaks for itself, right? You've interviewed some of the biggest in the games in the game. Who are some of your favorite artists that you've interviewed? Like, I guess give me a couple that come off uh, that come to mind uh, as far as your favorite interviews. Okay, definitely one. One was Aaliyah. Aaliyah definitely was one of the greatest interviews that I've done because she. We talked after the interview, and and I can say this now to everybody. And let me mention, I also had R. Kelly on the show too. Uh, that's going to be on the documentary. So when y'all see it, you know, don't say Bobby. You know, it's a part of history. It's a part I got to see it. Now, of course, it's part of the story. You got to tell the story. You got to tell the story. We live in this world now where everything is, you know, you know how it is. It's too much now. We got to, we got to, we got to stop it. We got to relax. Right. But go right. ahead. Uh, 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 but Aaliyah definitely was one of them because everybody at the time that wanted to interview her, she declined because they all wanted to talk about the R. Kelly situation. Oh, well. Yeah, when I interviewed her, and you, you people will see the interview, uh, I guess, when the documentary comes out. Actually, you can see snippets of it on my Instagram, because I posted snippets of it on Instagram. And um, she enjoyed the interview because we laughed because I didn't mention it at all. I mentioned the fact that she was from Detroit, and I asked her about her connection. And I said, well, we'll still make you a Detroit, well, in Chicago one is in New York, and she laughed because I combined all three tri-states without yeah. R. Kelly's name. Uh, and she just thought that was clever and funny, like, wow, this guy, he's not, he, is he going to touch it, or is he walking on eggshell? And then after the interview, she said, this was the greatest interview I've done because you didn't come close to asking me anything. I said, well, that's, I don't care about you and R. Kelly. It didn't matter to me at the time. She had an album out that I wanted to promote, and ever since then, whenever she came to New York, at, the, at this time, people who's watching your show, at this time, we had people. <laughs> That's right. Whenever she came to town, give me a beat and come on up to the station and do the show. And she did that. She wow. stayed in contact with me on a month. And so Leah was one. Um, of course, Eminem was fun. Um, immature. I interviewed Immature when they were babies. Wow. 
so many. Oh my goodness, Queen Latifah, who's a friend of mine, came on the show. Um, uh, Deborah, I mean, so many people. Wyclef, um, uh, Mary J. Glass. A lot of people came through Flavor Videos. Uh, Boot Camp, uh, wow. Master B. So, so many people came through. A lot of them were fun, but the ones that were the best for me um, were, like I said, the Eminem. Uh, because it was different. It's an interesting it was, story, yeah. It was it was out of character because who, when you see the video, you're gonna be like, "Did they just take a pee at the store?" It's like it was fun. It was like you didn't expect it. You wouldn't have seen that on BET. Nah, no, <laughs> no, God no. <laughs> so it would have been like, yo. So it kind of showed me that when they came on my show, you had nothing to worry about. Um, when Diddy came on the show, when Diddy came on the show. It was fun, but it wasn't fun because I knew him, and he was in this ditty mode. So it wasn't really about us vibing as friends. It was more him about just promoting and being it. So that you wasn't really fun. Yeah, that wasn't really fun. But um, Loon was fun because Loon was on there with him, and Black Rob was on there with him. So they were more fun than did because they they were fans of Flavor Video. So they were like, "Yo, when we home up in Harlem, we be watching you be represent." So they were more fun because they knew what the show was about. It wasn't about being flashy. It was about promoting and saying we're representing. So there were a lot of people who came through and it was fun. So, so y'all see it. Fantasia was fun. I actually did something very, about very talented, very talented artist. I, I wish her career would have taken off the way I thought she could have given her talent level. Right, uh, her I mean, super talented. She's hungry though. She's still traveling. She's still one of the artists that can sell out an arena of five thousand people. That's kind of yeah, yeah, hard. Yeah, no, that you're right. You're right. She, she still hangs in there. Uh, but the, well, I agree with you about how her career could have taken a little bit more higher flight. But you know what? Some people like to work their audience to build. That later on down the line, you realize, oh, I didn't know our audience was that big. So maybe that's the phase she's at right now. If like I'll just build a generation of audience. They're just building an audience from a generation. You know what she, I mean? Yeah, she didn't have that look either. It's like she didn't have like that package look that they're trying to shove down everybody's right. throat. Like right. she was an organic black woman who could sing, who made it on the merit of her talent. Right, exactly. That's what I'm saying. Maybe her career is more about building an audience of generations, not an audience of a generation. Because right. there's artists that a generation only be like, oh, I know her because back in the day, you got Fantasia, you got an audience that go, oh, I know her from now. Yeah. There's a new audience that's like, like, so maybe she's at the phase of her career where she's just like, you know what, I'll just do what I do and just build a generation of audience as I go on with my career. And there's nothing wrong with that. You know, that's how you build an audience of 2000, 2005, 2010, you know, 2020s, like, wow, you you got an audience who didn't even see her on American Idol. Right, right. They don't even know that she was, yeah, they, they don't even re relate to American Idol. They're like, what was that? Exactly. <laughs> so, but she wound up building an audience after that. So maybe she's in the phase of her career of that, which is not bad. You know what I'm saying? So as long as she, she continues uh, the length of her career. So that, that's good. I mean, for me, that's good. You know? That's not 100%. And, and so getting to the hip hop aspect, right? What, who do you view? I'm curious, right? Cause everybody always goes, Oh, well, who's in your top five? Who's in your top 10? 
I'm gonna I'm gonna approach it like this because it's so to me it's hard to name five, right? It's so hard. Who are you? No, no, no. Listen, no, no. I got you right now. Check this out. Who are your top? Listen, I always think of stuff like this. Who is your? What are your top five most underrated MCs? Top five underrated. Okay. Okay. Nice one. Nice one. Yeah, because the other the other one we beat, you know, we beating a dead horse. Like, come on, who's your top five? It's so hard. You can't pick five. But underrated, you probably could. Guru. A lot of people, as much as respect. Yes. But Guru is underrated. I've been saying that for years. Yeah. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Again, Cool G back. Another one who's underrated. You know what I mean? People always you only got the die hard hip hop fan who know about that, but the people just want to pick the 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 the, the, the popular popular. Kooji rap is underrated. One of the one of the most underrated rappers in hip hop. And I'm saying that because I got the witness. I got the witness rappers in the past. I got the witness rappers in the future. And and a lot of rappers in the future, I put them in the category, but I won't put them over Kooji or Guru. Um, um, who, who else? It's, um, uh, 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 there's a lot of cats, man, that I can actually go down the line and name. I could throw I could throw a few in there for you. I'm gonna I'm help you see if you agree because I love this dialogue, right? I'm gonna say one right now because you were thinking just like me. OC. OC is another underrated rapper, but I think people. I think the reason why people look at him as not being that top five kind of dude, they 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 look at OC as like, how much have we seen him in the cipher? Yeah. You know what I mean? You got cats who's like, like, he, he nice, but is he cipher nice? You know what yeah, I'm saying? Yeah. You got you to be careful with those dudes. Because those dudes would be like him. That's why Eminem, that's why people keep Eminem in their top five. Yeah. Because they'll say, M could get in the cipher in the trenches with, with those dudes. With the best of them. You know, like, take away all the other stuff. If he, okay, so what? He's singing to the trailer park. That I don't I don't care about none of that. Can he no. rap? Can he spit? Can he get in a cipher and kill everybody? That's what right. I want to know. Right. Well, don't see. I, I, I I'm with you on that, but I, I have to be careful because I'm a hip hop artist and because I know how cats get in it, and then I gotta watch it for what it is. People, you you gonna get some people, even your best friends or people that that agree with you, gonna be like, yeah, but he that he's a cipher. Yeah, 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 yeah. get cipher. You saw it. He actually brought the cipher to 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 um Dipset and Dipset was like, is this versus or cipher? <laughs> they want they didn't want that smoke. They didn't they, want that smoke. They got lost. They got lost. They was coming all prepared to look all beautiful. And Danny was like, I thought we was in the woods. What? Yep. I, th- I thought we was in a, I thought we was I thought we was in pissy elevators right now. Yep, you he know? took it back there. Yep, he took it to YO. Took it to the hood right. of YO. School right. Street took it over there. Right, but you're going to get those kind of cats that... So I understand what you're saying, but I, I, but I agree with you. There are a lot of underrated cats in that caliber who who can actually or should be in there. And the reason why people say Rakim because don't nobody want to touch him because he's one of the one of the one of the uh, one of the MCs first of, first of all that I got I, the witness. I, I, I have a problem with Rakim though. I'm a I'm a I'll say I'm not saying that he he's Talk not one it. of the nicest, right? My problem with my problem with Rakim is the same problem I have with with Big Daddy Kane in that then I don't feel like they were they the longevity to me is not there like they're living off of those great pieces that they made like 25 years ago 
Like, and, and again, they were great. But what I'm saying is when you're looking at Chris KRS, right? You're looking at what he's doing. Homeboy's about to, you know, he's he's gonna be a senior citizen soon, you know, respectfully, and he still can rap. Like right. he never stopped. You know right. what I mean? Like, I think artists like KRS, Nas, who's the generation after, Nas surpassed right. K- as far as I'm concerned, and maybe because I'm younger. Nas has surpassed Rakim. I'm sorry. Like, I don't think it's not skill-wise, just icon status. I just well, I'll tell you. I, I like listening to people. Talk, and I, I'm not I'm not mad at your, your answers or even your opinion about it. Um, but the one thing I do have to say in, 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 in Rakim's defense is that, and one, Rakim still raps now, just that Rakim just haven't been in a recording process. Go but he, does, so he still raps, though. Um, Thing about Rakim, the reason why a lot of people respect Rakim, because he was the first MC that everybody just couldn't figure out. Yeah, good point. Good point. His it was different. Demeanor, his demeanor, and like, you know, he wasn't one of those rah-rah dudes. He didn't have to bite back at you the way everybody has to bite back. And the other thing about Rakim, that's amazing that people keep forgetting. Rakim did four albums without cursing. Good point. Good point. Yeah, there's something to be said for that, for sure. And and people will recite his rhymes like this was dope, and he never cursed. Good point. But made you think like so. You can be good at what you do as a rapper, and don't have to be a punch line like everybody else with vulgar vulgar lyrics. So mm-hmm. it, it made him kind of a, a a person that people say nah. He's in a he's in a place by himself because no one has not only mimicked or overshadowed what he has done and created in hip hop. So he sits on a throne by himself, and I think that's why a lot of cats respect him. Like I can't even be mad at you because everything you did is respected. You know what I'm saying? Lyrically, you were great. Your delivery was great. Your tracks and beats. We're great, but you never curse. That's great. No, you're can, right. You're right. I, I, can, I, like I can't dispute great. that. I can't dispute that. I can't yes. dispute it. And I love Biggie. I mean, you give me a moment to sing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cover. A lot of curses. Yeah, a lot I of curses. It. I'm not the mad inter- interlude got curses on it. <laughs> I'm not mad at people cursing, but I'm saying look at him. Well, how he accomplished himself as an MC and never done that. And it makes you go, wow. And nobody looks at him and goes, you whack. You can't say that about Rakim. No, no, whack. No, no. What are the greatest lyricists ever? And, and that's my point. So yeah, I understand yeah. your point. I'm not taking your your opinion of how you look at it. It's okay. I'm not, I'm not taking anything away from him yet. You get what I'm saying. I'm talking about like as far as like people hail him to this top five. And I would I would make the argument maybe top ten. But I, I look at it like, okay, and let's be clear. I'm a I'm a Nas stan. I love Nas. I feel right. like Nas was heavily influenced by Rakim. Right. But right. I, I feel like he surpassed his idol. That's how right. I look at it. Just listen to the body of work. Look at mm-hmm. the second wind that Nas has gotten now. Right. Nas right. has gotten a second wind. Right. No, I agree with you. I, and I love that album when he dropped it. So it's like I surpassed anything that Drake and Kanye put out and said, Y'all listening to that? Did y'all hear Nas's album? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
So, so, so I got what you're saying. I, told, I totally agree. Um, that's why I always tell the old school cats. If, if you still love what you do for the art of music, put something out. Just make sure whatever you put out, it's good enough. But it's got to be current. It's got to be current. Current. And make sure it's good enough to a caliber that you feel that people are going to at least say, I like it, it's good enough. You know what I'm saying? Because you're not going to get everybody to win-win with this trap garbage going. No, no, no. You have to do, you have to do somewhere it's like, hey, it's good enough for, for him, for that status for him. He doesn't have to try to rack his brain to try to surpass trap dude. Well, trap... No, you know what? Yes, 100%. You're 100% right. And I'm glad you mentioned trap because trap is not going to stand up to the test of time. Trap, trap don't stand up, period. I don't care how many people I argue with. You can call it what you want. Go ahead, go ahead. Go ahead. It's a money bag, and I get it. I've been in the business. What they're doing now is money bag entertainment. And it's okay. I have no problems with people making music in a consistent status where it's about making the money for radio. I don't have a problem with that. But if you put the artist today up against the artists of the past, the one thing that the artists from the past went on is diversity. Sorry. If there's somebody watching your show right now going, man, yes. sir, we're yes. back. Right, sir, it's the diversity. No, we, no. No, we, we want the smoke. Go ahead. No. Go. No, it's we want the smoke. Preach. Because I can put it to them like this. Let me give you the, let me give you the best year of golden era of hip-hop. Go ahead. Maybe you know of it, maybe you don't. So let me give you the golden era, the best time of golden era of hip hop. I have one in my head. I have it in my head, but I want to hear what yours is. Well, 89 works too with that too. I'm going 88 and 89. Yeah. Golden era of hip hop began with Biz Market, and I'm going to name all the albums. Rest in peace, Biz. Right, rest in peace, Biz. You had Coogee Rap and Polo, who had their album at the time. You had Biz Market with the Diabolical Biz, had his album. <sighs> You had Perfect Enemy, It Takes a Nation album that came out. Yes. You had, you had Slick Rick, The Great Adventures of Slick Rick. Oh, go ahead, you had, go ahead. You had, you had Eric B. and Rakim, like the Rhythm Hit Him album. Yes. And you had um, Dana Dane, who had, uh, what was that called? album called? I think the story, there's something of Dana Dane, the Dana Dane something album. Dana Dane album. You had Salt and Pepper, Salt with a Deadly uh, Pepper album that was out at the time. You had, uh, who else, who else put, put something out there on that? Uh, Raw Bass. You had Raw Bass, who had his record at the time. And that was a huge record. That was a huge record. Huge you record. Had, you had Kid and Play, who put their album up. All of us put, yes, that's a Sonic. You had all these rappers that you had put their album out at the same time of the DJ Jazzy Jeff, the Fresh Prince, EPMD, Strictly Business. All our albums was out at the same time of the summer of 1988. Mm -hmm. And each album sounded different. You couldn't compare Big Daddy. Big Daddy came to have album too. He had, um, 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 what was the album called? Um, Long Live the King. Long Live the King. Karis Wynn had album out at the time. He had My Philosophy. L.O. L.O. So all of us had an album out that same time of the summer of 88. Run DMC Run's house. We yep. all had an album out. <laughs> <laughs> Sounded like the other person's album. You're right. You're and, right. And we didn't have no features. Our album didn't say Run DMC featuring EPMD. Nope. EPMD album didn't say featuring Public Enemy. Our album was our album. Competing. They're competing. They're competing. Exactly. 
We was like, we ain't doing no features. You got to get into who we are before we start saying Drake featuring and Drake featuring. I mean, Drake got like eight features. Why? Yeah. Why? Back then, you sold you sold your art. This and, was my art. This was Stethosonic. This is Stethosonic. This is your art. So, so all our albums, and we support each other's album. EPMD had the most craziest album out at the top. Strictly business, when you heard Ooh. Dr. Bill, you lost <laughs> your mind. When you heard Big Daddy Case ain't no half-stepping, you lost your mind. Mm -hmm. they, were, yep. they were different. They, you couldn't compare. Nobody bit nobody. And nope. if you didn't bite somebody... No, it was, a, it was a penalty for that. There was a penalty yeah, for that. Exactly. Yeah. Tell me a couple today that sounds different than somebody. Nobody. Me, man, I like nobody. you, man. You and Cardi are not split from different peas from the pot. Your records are produced probably by the same producers, and they kind of mimic each other. And your topics mimic each other. Our mm -hmm. topics are different. different topics in our records. We had a record called Sally, and then we had a record called Freedom of Death. Mm -hmm. And you got to chill with that shit business. Big Daddy Kane had Long Live the Cane, but he also had Warm It Up Kane. Terrorist one had black cop, but he also had my philosophy. Yeah. Brother Kennedy had so I'm, he had don't believe the hype, but so I'm saying we all had different topics. Queen Latifah did a record and then she had ladies first, but then she also did another joint where she was like, uh, do it, do, do it, Queen. And so Light had an album at that time. We all were competing with our art. And That's we right. didn't use, we didn't use the same producers. We had our own in-house producers. Today, producers be like, hey, he produced Drake out. Well, give me Drake sound. He produced the Amigos. Well, give nope. me Amigos sound. Nope. None of that. None everybody, of that. Everybody sound. We didn't want nobody to have our sound. If you did and you bit us, we calling you out. I look at it, I look at it like sports. It's almost like you ever see like your football, you got like the you got like the Belichick system, right? You got this system, you had the parcel system, right? They do that. Everybody had a different system. That's how it. That's how I look at it. How hip hop was. Everybody had a system. The coaches were like the producers or the DJs. Right. The MC was like the players. You know what yeah, I mean? Right. It's like that. And it's crazy because it bled into '89 because those cats were under us. Cats like the Jungle Brothers who had an album out of that. Brothers too. Again, no one sounded like them. You knew the Jungle Brothers down. You Absolutely. Knew you know what I'm saying? So by the time 89 broke in, then you had the Baby Bloomer, the Tribe Called Quest, who had different sounds. Then you had the other Baby Bloomers, De La Soul, who were produced by one of the members of our group, Prince Paul, from Sonic. Gave them a totally different sound from Sonic or anybody else that Prince Paul was produced. And then you had Third Base, was, you know, so it's like the baby boomers were growing from there, but they made sure they didn't sound like nobody else. Unreal, man. I love how you broke that down. So you think I'm sorry, go ahead. No, no, what you was gonna say? So you so for your money, eighty-eight is the golden era, or you or did you define it by two different golden eras? How would you look yeah, at it? The golden era was eighty eight going into eighty nine. But it also bled into, into the 90s. Because you had other groups who did not sound like everybody else, too. You had the bloomers of the groups, like the Wu-Tang, and, 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 and all these other groups that was blooming and breaking off part 
becoming. Then you gotta remember, a guy like um, um, Eric Sermon was producing Group's crew. You know what I'm saying? Where, where they were put, but we, they, it all bled into that. But that came from the Golden Era cat, and we made sure that Red Man did not sound like Method Man. That's right. You know what I'm saying? It came from 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 that era of how we wanted to bloom the next phase of artists and hip hop. I'm gonna tell you, you know, it's yeah, you're 100 percent right, and and you're 100 percent right, and and I'm gonna mention a year that I think is an underrated year, and a uh, year that I think that is actually a great year in hip hop. I'm gonna mention this year. I'm gonna mention the year for you. 1998 was a to me was probably the last good great year in hip hop, uh, and I'll explain why. That was the year of cannabis. That was the year of the DJ Clue mixtape album, where the DJ Clue album was like. Like it was something else. Right. The Wu was doing their thing. You had Big Pun come out. Mm-hmm. You had, to me, 1998, you had the Rough Riders out. To right. me, that was like one of the last of the modern, the more modern era, we should say. To me, that was like the last really good year, at least to me. Now, again, I didn't get to experience 88. But to me, 98 was a very special year as well. What do you think about but, that? But, but think, about, uh, think about it, what you just said. Again, those cats came from the buildation of those golden era yeah. cats. Because yep. you remember, um, my man um, from, from Rough Riders come from that golden era. So yep. when they came to produce the records, switch beats them, they come from that cloth. They come from that era to make sure that whatever we put out, you know that that's the Rough Riders sound. If anybody bite that, we call them out. And it was original. It was original. It was all about making sure whatever we create, let's not sound like nobody. Who sounded like DMX back then? Nobody. Nobody. And if you did, somebody was going to be like, why are you biting DMX? Right. That came from that golden era where we made sure that whatever we did, and again, they had their own in-house producers. Rough Riders, Swiss Beat, those cats were their own in-house producers. Even those cats from New Orleans, like BGs and all those guys. It was original. No, it was original. Listen, right. I didn't love it, but I but I appreciated that it was different. Right. They had their own in-house producers, and they was like, we're going to create our own sound that that identified us, that the public will identify us with. I'm sorry. I can argue with a bunch of people who's probably chatting on your page. Like, you could say whatever you want. You can't point out an artist that diversity today and, and make me believe that they all are cut from different cloths. I'm sorry. I don't hear it. Everybody's music that come out today sound like a ghost record. All they record starts off with spooky sounds. And they start off with an auto-tune. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. Like, and you got that spooky music in the back. <laughs> the first record even starts. It's like, yo, can somebody just give me a banger and just come in with a verse? Like, like everybody record starts off with, it's like, yo, y'all might as well do soundtracks for The Walking Dead. Because that's what it sounds like. It sounds like spooky. Like, yo, what are we living in a spooky time? Like, yo, it, it's crazy. It ha- that's why people gravitate back to the 90s era of hip hop. Because as soon as you put on a joint, as soon as you put on a busted joint, oh, forget as soon as you put on that, as as all that shit is like, you read, you, you know the energy. It's getting ready. He's getting ready to start his verses. Yep. 100%. All you spooky producers out there, 
All your records don't have to start off with a whistle spooky sound. It doesn't. It don't. It don't. Nope. I probably could produce a record where maybe the verse come in. You don't even need a beat. Just let the verse come in first. Be different with your producing. That's how we did it. We did that. Like right now, now you just gave me an idea. Somebody going to buy it. I'm going to start. I'm going to produce a record where the beat don't even start. Let the rapper start the verse first. Yep. Let the, rapper, let the rapper come in and do an acapella for like maybe four bars, then drop the beat in. Because then that'll show people how nice that rapper is. Because then if he can continue that pace on the beat. So let him, start, let him start off with his dun, 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 dun. let him start off with that. And then if, he, if you feel it him, then if you got a crazy beat behind it, drop it. So do you think you think lyricism is dead right now? No, because there's a lot of cats out there really nice. I mean, I mean like on the mainstream level. Obviously, yeah, yeah. If you want to find good lyricism, you can find it. But you yeah. gotta find well, of course it is. Because like I said before, you know, I understand the business. I know this is about the bit the money bag and radio. Radio don't even have program directors no more. No. Nope. They just send them a, they send them an email and say, here's your playlist. I know because I work in radio. They sent they sent him a playlist. Here, here's, here's your top twenty playlist, and Drake is on all of them. <laughs> so now, so I noticed you mentioned Drake a lot. Now, what what is your opinion on Drake as a legacy? For like, what do you think? What do you define him as? Give me your take on Drake. You could no, no. You could be honest. Listen, that, trust me. It's not. Don't hold back. Let me tell you something, man. I I, I have to be honest with you. There's a few Drake songs I like. Yeah. Well, I think he is a good lyricist. Look at my face. Y'all need to stop that. He's not. Not a good lyricist. Can he rap? Of course he can. Anybody who, who learned how to master it by listening to other people can definitely rap. You know what I'm saying? And be good with it. I mean, you're an actor. If you can act good, then you can act like you're rapping good. Uh, you, and, remember, and, you remember the grassy? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I'm not mad at that. But the records I like Drake do are the R&B Talks. I like his. I got my eyes on you. I like those. I think you know? he's better like that than a rapper. To be honest with you, I, I think like, he's better suited. He should have been an R and B singer. So that's a, that's the end of our conversation. There you go. You got my answer. Yeah. <laughs> you got my answer. But I'm not. I don't want Drake fans to get mad. Or you rap. No, no, no. Go ahead. Go ahead. If Drake is your type of speed of rapper, I'm here. I'm not here to tell you he's not to, for you. I'm just saying, me listening, being involved in a business, producing a lot of artists, working with a lot of artists. If I was producing Drake, none of his records would sound like the way they sound now. You'd be like, you better get back in the booth, and you better, you better fix that. You better rap, <laughs> like for but real. It's a money bag thing, so it's oh, they always said if something's broke, don't fix it. Okay, so I guess they're not fixing Drake, but they broke, don't right, fix it. Right, right. The integrity goes out the window because it just yeah. like you said, everything is for the bag now, and it yeah. shows. It sh yeah. that's what that's what bothers me is that it shows. It's so yeah, obvious, and it, that bothers me. I always said, let people win, but don't get mad when somebody else come up and they do something that you should have done, and you go, "Wow, how come they went and doing that?" I give you a perfect perfect example, real quick. I always argue with a lot of R and B artists. They're another one whose music starts off spooky. Why is all these artist music is starting yep, to yep. yeah. with a trap beat? With a trap beat now. Why? Why? Mm -hmm. 
Bruno Mars just froggled y'all up. Bruno Mars, can I say fuck up? Can I say that on you? You listen, my you can say what you want, King. Go ahead. Bruno Mars just fucked y'all up with that leader door open shit. He took a classic sound strategy. How great is he? Honestly. And it, mastered it for today's R and B. Yep. Yep. Okay. Usher, what took you so long to follow that pattern? <laughs> right. Well, R and B artists, and don't get me wrong, I like I like Usher because I like that song Bad Habit he got too. It's dope. I like Usher. Yeah, I yeah, like yeah. Usher. He's talented, brother. Absolutely. But I'm saying, why y'all let why y'all allowing people to make y'all believe because trap is today. This is how you should make R&B records. You have like K. Michelle, who I love, who did a record called uh, In the Race. She did a new edition cover song over, but they put auto tools on her and made that trap beat with it. I'm like, why did you have to uh, do you're that? You a classic. Why did you have to do that? With, but here came Bruno Mars and did a 70s style version song, yep. energy wise, and had everybody singing that shit at their barbecue. The entire summer. And it's a great record. It's a great record. Even my daughter, my daughter, look, my kids, both of my kids, I have two small kids. They love that record. But that's my point. Why everybody, why everybody else was on the bandwagon or something else, he was looking at RBS going, what, y'all don't like this stuff no more? And he did. He did it. And he won with it. Um, let, me, let me stop saying he. Both <laughs> him, him and, um, 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 what's my man name that uh, sing with him? Um, 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 uh, what's his Bruno Mars and um, what's his name? Um, damn, the kid, uh, uh, uh meet the partner, his partner. Oh, um, oh, you're talking about Anderson Park. Anderson Park, I'm sorry, thank you. Anderson Park, him and Anderson, because Anderson Park is another beast, you know yeah, what I'm yeah, saying? Yeah. Very talented, very talented. A guy, you, you still got people like. Erica Badu, Jill Scott, Maxwell, who are still in the cut. Oh, man. I love those. See, you brought up great names. Go. Right, but they don't do no spooky shit. They do no, like, mm, yeah. And then you hear the beginning of the song, somebody got an order to that. Yeah. And then, and then whatever, they're mumbling something. That you don't know what they're mumbling. they in the cut. But here came Bruno Mars and, and Anderson Park. They did a record that sustained it. The whole I did somebody on your chat right now lie to me in my face and say they did not sing or play that at their barbecue. Everybody was singing. Everybody in their mother did. Absolutely. Absolutely. That was your R and B setup. Right there. I love it. And I'm a big time R and B dude. Let me be clear. I love, but again, I gotta go mostly ninety-five percent old school. Cause that was the good stuff. Like I, you know what I mean. Like I, I love R and B music, love it, and I'm talking about all the way to the seventies. I'm talking but about. But I'm even talking about today. I'm saying it's okay for someone to take from the past and mold it to today. It's right. okay. Yeah. You don't need the electronic techno sound on all your records. You don't. You don't need the, you don't need the water drop in the background at the beginning where it sounds like it's somebody's in the bathroom and they. <laughs> You don't need that. Uh-huh. They, I, the reason why I keep bringing up Bruno Mars because they started their record off with yeah. mm-hmm. Oh, you know, oh, that's my jam. But it's, you, they amped you for it. 
You know what I'm saying? So all I'm saying is it's okay to still be the, the build-up. It's the build-up. It's the artistry. It's artistry. Exactly. It's okay. You don't have all your records don't have to start off with the spooky sound. And all the records <laughs> to have a feature. Can I have one person put out a record? No features. One. Just one person. Let me let your whole album be. Whoever you are, no features. So it's, a challenge. it's a challenge. Of course, of course it's a challenge because they some some companies feel like, well, you need such and such to get their audience. Well, we both do the same kind of music. Why can't I get their audience? Well, maybe if you had them on it, you could get them faster. Okay. So I'm just saying, I, 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 I'm a guy who still has the love for the music. I respect a lot of artists and what they're doing, but I got to call some of them for what I see it for. I'm not, I'm not, but I'm not mad at them. I'm just saying, be very creative at your art. When you're not being creative at your art, you become tainted. And once you become tainted, the industry is going to be like, listen, trust me. Trust me, Santos. Trust me. White artists are going to be doing I'm telling you. Justin Timberlake is in the corner right now going, burn everything Bruno Mars did. I want that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. The that's the way. Yeah, but, yeah, but you know this, Bobby. It's always been that way. Oh, no, no, I know that. But I'm just saying, for the future RB artists, keep, keep following that trap garbage. No, let me take that back. I don't want to call it garbage because people might get mad at me. Nah, keep listen. Fo- call it what you want, man. It's I, all I'm good. Gonna, I'm going to call it a trend. Keep following a the trap trend. I already told you, Bro and Anderson Park already set y'all up. They, like, they and they, as a matter of fact, they wrote a song about it. Want to hear it? They said they leaving the door open. No open. Yep, yep. You have to do that trap trend no more. Our music is not trap trend. The door is open, everybody. Let's let's walk through. R and B is back. I love it, man. So, <laughs> so let me let me ask you, man, before we wrap up. Um, what I want to do is I. Uh, Tell tell us what you what you up to right now. Um, I want you to plug your stuff. What you got going on right now? Let let the audience know. Okay, well right now a lot of people always been looking for me. Then they finally find me. Right now I'm over at iHeartRadio. Um, I have a, a show over there called Party One Hundred One Point Nine. I'm on iHeartRadio uh, Monday through Wednesdays, uh, seven p.m. to ten p.m. And then I do a morning show as well. I'm still interviewing people. I just did an interview with. Uh, uh, New York, getting ready to be New York's mayor, Eric Adams. Um, Shout out so, to Mister Mister Eric Adams for sure, man. Yeah, I, I, yeah. Um, you know, this is not an indoor. I don't like to play the politics, but let's just say he's needed. I'm oh, just no, needed. I'm, I'm just, I'm, again, I, I, I'm watching it, and he's I a good guy. Good guy. Yeah, yeah talk to me. I talk to everybody else. So again, um, so I'm over there. I on radio. Also, my group Stetsonic. We just put out a new single right now, which is called Now Y'all Giving Up Love, and we actually get a huge response from a lot of people, new people. I heard, the, I heard the song, very good song. I was going to yeah. tell you that. Very good song, and, and again, we'll plug all your stuff as well on this episode. When it comes out on the video, the audio version, we're going to plug your stuff, so all your yeah. info will be there for everybody, so um, yeah. including the iHeartRadio as well. Thank you, and if people want to find me, you can find me on Instagram, uh, BSBVBK, or you can find me on Facebook under my name, Bobby Simmons. So I'm, I'm out there, still in the trenches, doing what I love to do and being very uh, creative and, 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 and new with it and just 
and, and again, like I told you about Fantasia, just um, introduce myself to a different generation of people. So the people who miss flavor videos can now be a part of iHeart 101.9. You know what's funny? And I, no, no, listen, and, and I had a look for you. I found you after I did that episode with my friend, I had to go back and find you. And I'm, I'm glad that you responded back to me. It meant it really, I'm telling you like, and this is, it inspired me too, because it made me think, man, maybe one day there's a kid somewhere that's watching me or listening to me. Exactly. And like that, that touched me. And I, I just want to tell you that honestly, it means, it means the world to me. I'm very grateful. You're a very gracious person to do that. And it means a lot. And I, I would love to connect again. I appreciate you coming on. And uh, it really means a lot. Well, we definitely will connect again. And I, I want to say I thank you for allowing me on your platform. Because, again, it's a whole new generation of people. So that's where I'm working at. So I got you from the past. You got a new audience now that don't know about Flavor Videos. So now we can. It's all about. Uh, that's how you grow your wealth of, of, of being an entertainer. Different generation. So I appreciate uh, uh, your invite. And um, please, yo, don't hesitate, man. Have me on here again, man, with some people. Let's battle with some people. Let's do it. <laughs> I love it. No, no, I love it. Listen, and, and you know, the legendary Bobby Simmons here. I appreciate you so much. And um, again, I wanted to give you your flowers while you're here. I have deep respect for you. Um, thank, you. thank you for the inspiration. I mean that. And again, we're going to keep in touch, brother. Thank you so much. And um, so much, Bob, the legendary Bobby Simmons. Thank you so much. Peace, brother. <laughs> Peace, my brother. All right. Be well. Thank you. So um, I want to thank my guest, the legendary Bobby Simmons. Um, you know, it was great, man. I loved him. I could go forever. I mean, it, it could go forever with him. I love his opinions. I love what he says. I love um, it was great having him. And um, the man really knows his stuff, a, a wealth of information, has lived a ton of lives <laughs> as far as what he's done on the music scene, interviewing, being a VJ. Um, now he's on iHeartRadio. Just uh, just thrilled. Great to, to have spoken with him. And, and really, like I said, as a kid, he was one of those people I watched and I grew up watching and I really became inspired by what he did. Um, so way back when, I never would have envisioned I'd be doing this. And so it, it's funny how it comes uh, full circle. So uh, thanks once more to him. Uh, I want to invite everybody to check out the shop, Santos-Threads. Make sure you guys follow me on Instagram, um, Santos Thread Shop on Instagram. And again, that was episode number 19. Thank you very much to my guest, Bobby Simmons. And again, don't just say what you mean or mean what you say. Say it with your chest. Peace.